Network. From the world's bastion of freedom come new levels of repression, suppression, and silencing of true speech driven by a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? I don't think so. So how does the truth avoid being a casualty? It finds an ally. The Truth News Network. And your conductor on this underground railroad is Dan Newman. What's there to worry about? I mean, our government's got it all under control. Don't worry about anything. They're going to take care of you. (laughs) That's the story, folks. And, of course, you haven't swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. Very few of us have. Sadly, though, there are a bunch of people that have swallowed that line and are living that very way. And then you have people on the other side of this equation that look at people like you and me, you know, where those evil conservatives, maybe we're not Republicans, but if we're not and we're white, oh my gosh, you've got to be a white supremacist. We get put in these little um, groups, these little places where they find it simpler for them to deal with us if they put us all together. Hillary Clinton called it her basket of deplorables. I don't know what Joe Biden calls it, but I guarantee you, Joe Biden is one person that wishes we weren't in his world, those of us that are willing to push back and find the truth. We don't see much of that coming out of Washington, D.C., do we? Well, good morning, everybody. It's going to be a different show today. A couple of things I want to mention to you. The last segment of today's show, shortly before 11 o'clock Central Time, You want to make sure you're here then, because we're going to do a segment we've never done before. And it's all going to culminate. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And uh, it's going to reference this time of year and how hard this time of year can be and is for many people. There are people that you come in contact with every day. You don't know what's going on behind the smile. You don't know what's going on behind a frown. And so we automatically, our human nature is to assume things. And you know that definition of assume, it always makes an ass out of you and me, A-S-S-U-M-E. We can't assume, but we do assume. And the saddest thing about that, I think, is that we make decisions based upon our assumptions that often are not factual. And then it gets even worse. What we do without even consciously thinking about it in most cases We'll make a decision. It may be to change things in our own life. Maybe it's just to put that person in what we call our own basket, and we know who they are. I heard what she said. I saw what he did. That means he must be one of these. We make decisions based upon our perceptions, and our perceptions often aren't aren't truthful. They're not the real thing. And then we go and make a stinking decision, sometimes it's a bad decision, based on not a fact, but based on a perception. And it becomes a daisy chain. And that daisy chain always ends up in a world of chaos because there are so many uncertain things and you throw them all on the same plate and what do you have? You have a big plate full of crap that makes no sense. We find ourselves there and that dilemma far too often. And we get there for one reason. It's our own choices. We're the ones that decide what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, 
what we're going to believe, what we're not going to believe, who we're going to believe, and who we won't believe. And there are percussion, repercussions that come with every one of those choices we make. And sadly, we pay the price for each choice that we make in life. And sometimes, folks, the price that we pay is not a good one. But we just got to learn to be more careful, more cautious, more informed when we make each of these kinds of decisions. Three days before Christmas, this should be a glorious time. It's a sad day in our family tomorrow, especially. The oldest sister in the family of four sisters, my wife was born into, passed away. Marilyn passed away on December 23rd, about six years ago. And uh, Christmas is supposed to be a good time where you celebrate the birth of Jesus. You celebrate the, the obvious tangible part of peace that we occasionally get to sense and feel. And it's all centered around the Christ child and his entry into Earth's atmosphere as a human being. A lot of good, glorious things to think about. But I mentioned Marilyn's death today, and we'll mention it tomorrow. In fact, if I can get Marianne to come in and say a few things about uh, her big sister and uh, what happened in all of our lives because of the goodness of Marilyn Turner, um... We have those things and those people. Thankfully, we all do. You do too. But I I just want to make it abundantly clear to everybody that even though we, in the most part, are very successful about having Merry Christmases and everybody is pretty much happy, that yeah, you can put aside all of this crazy stuff that's going on around us for a day, maybe for a week. We're going to do that, but you got to remember when we're doing that, there are a lot of people that don't have that as an option. They're in a really bad place and they can't make any choices at this point that will change that. We got to keep them somewhere toward the front of our heads of memory. Pray for them. When you see a chance to speak into somebody's life, do it, do it. And when that little small voice in the back of your head tells you to do something, tells you to do anything that is good, especially for someone else, do it. Every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central, I do a prayer meeting at our church. Me and two or three other other guys, it's a Facebook live event, Shreveport Community Church. It's on every morning live if you want to look in online. Very informal, but we do 30 minutes and there's Ministry in which we share things that everybody can relate to. We sing a few songs. I'm on the keyboard. And uh, then at 7, by the time 6.30 rolls around and I get back on my Harley, if I rode, the weather's good and it's not too cold. This morning it was pretty cold, so I drove. It takes me 15, 20 minutes to get back to the house. And it's straight up 7. One of my closest friends almost every morning leaves his house on his way to his office and comes by here for about 30 or 40 minutes of we sit and drink coffee together and just catch up on everything. I heard the greatest Christmas story I've heard in a long time today. He manages a a tile company and they sell a lot of things. Uh, Stone, one of the largest stone dealers in this part of the country. 
and all the other stuff that goes along with building a house, remodeling, and all that kind of stuff. And therefore, he has some blue-collar workers, quite a few that work for him. And he told me a story this morning about a guy that his his warehouse manager, they keep, you know, probably hundreds of slabs of different kinds of stone back there and tools and things like sinks and all those kind of things that go along. They keep that in inventory. And this guy is over that. And he's not a wealthy guy. He's a blue-collar worker. He's a good guy. And so the corporate, the big company that owns this particular location, uh, they instructed management at their various sites all over the south and southeastern United States to, they're going to do a, a food drive and to push it out to some of their clients locally around uh, the market, the various market they're in. Shreveport Bossier is this market. Push it out there and then start collecting food and they're going to give food away as a company this week toward the end of the week. And so when he made the announcement on the local basis to his staff, he noticed his warehouseman just hung his head. Didn't say anything, just hung his head. And of course, my friend knew he struggles financially. His wife has some medical issues and they're struggling. And of course, anything else that adds on to that, especially this time of year, you got to remember, Christmas is not always a good time circumstantially to everybody. A lot of people, Christmas is a bad time of year, an emotional time of year, a hurtful time of year. And obviously it magnifies everything. If you're doing good, if everything in your life is okay, that makes Christmas coming around, it just makes everything feel better. If things aren't going so well for you, Christmas makes those things seem even worse than they are. A lot of people live there. And it's not a good place to be. I know firsthand. And so Marty called the corporate office after that and asked his boss, hey, listen, we have this guy, our warehouseman, and of course the the corporate boss knew who he was talking about. And he said, would it be okay if, if the food that we collect here in our office, he's a needy guy, he's got a family, and they struggle financially. Is it okay if we make this all his? And they said, of course. You know, what What corporate officer would ever not say, knowing that there's somebody that works for you that really needs help, would say, no, don't do it internally. So what they did was they didn't let him in on anything. And everybody else in the company knew what was going on. So yesterday was the big reveal. And this guy when he was told all that they had collected, some of it he had brought to give to some needy family and that they were going to give it all to him. You can imagine the feeling that came over him. Can you imagine how excited he was to go to the house and show his wife what his company that he works for had done for them for Christmas? Most of the times, it's not the big things. It's those little things. You know what I'm talking about. We take so much for granted. This is the time of year where we don't take things for granted. And if you have been, or if you are, you need to, for today, tomorrow, 
Friday, Christmas Eve, and then, of course, on Saturday, when you're in the midst of all the joyful things in your life, pause. Make a point. Set a time every day. Set your Apple Watch, the alarm to go off, at the same time every day. And during that time, whatever it is, a minute, maybe 10 minutes if you can, pray. Pray for somebody that God puts in your thought and in your mind that is really struggling, that needs help. And then for those that you know are in that category and there's something that you physically can do, try to do that. And I mean really try. Make a difference, make an impact in someone else's life. And guess what? God's going to point you to someone else, and they're going to do something. They're going to speak into your life, if nothing else, based upon your needs. We all have needs. Very few of us have it all together, no matter how we we try hard to prove that we do have it all together. (laughs) And I promise you, There are times in your life when you feel like Helter Skelter has come to live in your brain. You can't put anything together. Those are good times to have other people in our lives. You can always find somebody that's doing better than you. In every area, any area of your life that you can point to, there is somebody somewhere that's better than you. And we think about that sometimes. Oh, man, I wish I had that. I wish I could do what she does. We say that. But there are people saying those same things from their world looking at you and yours. And just as truthful as it is to say somebody's better off than you or better at doing something than you are, there's always somebody that is not that you can point to and say you're doing better than they are. Just live in your world and make the circumstances, the cards that you've been dealt, make them be the best that you possibly can. And keep an eye, keep an ear onto all of those around you that are in your life that aren't having it quite as good as you are. Folks, you just got that 10 minutes. You got it for free. (laughs) You didn't pay a dime to get that. And I know some of you are looking at your computer screen or your earbuds, you're listening and you're saying, who the heck is he? He doesn't know anything about me. Oh yes, I do. I certainly do. I didn't know it all of my life. And I learned at some time, I guess around the forties, late forties, early fifties, you're a human being. You're an emotional person. You have thoughts, you have desires, you have wants, you have needs. I know that about each and every one of you. And then I know this, none of us have it all together. I don't care who you are. And if you say so, you're lying. I do know this too. Pretty much all of us are trying to put it all together and keep it all together. Collectively, we can all do that. And that's where it begins, starting right at the cross. That's where eternal life for all of us began. And then keep that location, that cross thing, keep it geographically central in your brain. And it's every every once in a while it's really good to remember that and go back where it all began for you and be a thankful human. 
because you, whatever successes you have had, whatever failures you have had, God's there when it's good, but God's there when it's bad. So develop that relationship and use it. That's what it's there for. Be a friend. Be a son. Be a daughter. Be a brother. Be a sister. Be a wife. Be a husband. Be an uncle or an aunt or a grandfather or a grandmother. Be all of those things. And in each one of them, do the best that you can possibly do to impact those in your life. I don't care who they are. Immediate, extended family, fellow workers, friends. Sometimes the God in you is the only God that people with which you interact are ever going to see. You get that in the middle of your brain, right up in the front and center, it'll make you rethink some of the things we say and certainly a bunch of the things we do. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas from Truth News Network. Merry Christmas from TNN Live. And Merry Christmas from Dan and Mary Ann Newman. We love you and we are so glad you're part of our lives. And we started on a real high note, told a great story. Looking around the nation, I'm going to start right here and then we're going to branch out. I'm just going to say this. I am thankful today that I was born in the United States, that I'm a United States citizen, and that with all of its problems, top to bottom, side to side, all of its challenges, and how those challenges personally impact me and my family and business and all those kind of things, I'm still thankful, I'm grateful, that I'm privileged to live in the greatest country on the planet. And the reason it is, is because men open their hearts and let God come in. And they partnered with God to establish establish this country. And don't let anybody try to convince you that that wasn't what happened. If you go back and look at the documents, don't look at just the U.S. Constitution. But do a little internet search. You'll find out. Our forefathers were all in this thing with God right beside them from the very beginning. They recognized that, and they put that in the founding documents of this nation. You can't say that, Dan. This is the Internet. Somebody's listening in. Well, at the end of the show today, the entire show gets caught and picked up by Apple, by Spotify, by Google, and they put this show on their format for people that are logging in every day and they're hearing what Dan says. Those words are going to impact. They're going to resonate in somebody's life today. And that's a good thing. Believe and trust God. He's going to put you all the places in front of all the people that you let him put you in front of and let you, you let him go with you those places to impact others. You can do it. And you're going to impact them. Might as well be impact them for good. What are we going to get into today? Have you heard about Talking Point USA? Do you know who that is? What the organization is all about? Charlie Kirk, young guy. You seem, you often seem as a contributor on Fox News. 
I'm pretty sure he has, in fact, I know on Fox Nation, he has a, a show that he does every day. Well, he put together Talking Point USA. Their, their um, fundamental, their perspective, the thing that they embraced when they founded it was to get young people educated on the true facts about the American political system centered around the rule of law, the U.S. Constitution, and that thing, you know, that thing, which is do the right thing all the time. There are tens of thousands of young people, and when I say young people, I'm talking about teenagers and young adults that are all in, and they understand we are getting far more negative stuff on the national platform of politics than we are positive stuff and truthful things. Their commitment is to bring people from their inner generation in and expose them to the factual things of running this government, being an American, believing in capitalism, believing in the rule of law, and understand all of that so that they can bring other people in, but at the same time while they're doing that, make good choices for themselves. Well, Charlie Kirk had this Talking Point USA meeting convention in, in uh, Phoenix over the weekend, and I think it ended yesterday. And there were thousands, thousands, tens of thousands young people that were there. Actually had it at a friend of mine's church, a huge church in uh, Scottsdale, also in downtown Phoenix. And they have another campus, a huge one in Los Angeles. Jesse Waters. Fox News. He was one of the guests that spoke yesterday. And uh, he's in trouble. <laughs> he's in trouble today for something he said. Jesse was on the platform and he was suggesting that everyday ordinary Americans could create a viral moment if they had an opportunity to confront Dr. Anthony Fauci in public about the pandemic and his purported and, and alleged, and it's now been proven, Fauci was involved and has been for a long time in gain-of-function research. And he said it would be wonderful if you got a chance to confront Fauci and recorded it. And then when you talk to him, I'm going to give you a quotation from Jesse. Here's what he said on the stage. Quote, Now you're going for the kill shot. The kill shot with an ambush is deadly because he doesn't see it coming. Talking about Fauci wouldn't see it coming. This is when you say, Dr. Fauci, you funded risky research at a sloppy Chinese lab, the same lab that sprung this pandemic on the world. You know why people don't trust you? Boom. He's dead. He is dead. He's done. You do that for 30 seconds. That's all you need. 30 seconds. End of quote. That's exactly what Jesse said. Now, it just went viral, as you can imagine. Fauci called the remark horrible. He lamented that it was such a reflection of the craziness that goes on in society. While protesting that the only thing I had ever done throughout these two years is to encourage people to practice good public health practices, to get vaccinated, to be careful in public settings, and to wear a mask. And then he ended his little diatribe with this. Uh, Fox News needs to fire 
Jesse Waters. That's awful that he said that, Fauci said. And he's going to go very likely unaccountable. I mean, whatever network he's on is not going to do anything for him. I mean, that's crazy. The guy should be fired on the spot. Well, of course, Fox News stood by Waters, stressing that it was more than clear that he was using that as a metaphor in making his remarks. Based on watching the full clip and reading the entire transcript, it's more clear that Jesse Waters was using a metaphor for asking hard-hitting questions to Dr. Fauci about gain-of-function research, and his words have been twisted completely out of context. Good for Fox News, that was their statement. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy was asked about Waters' remarks during an appearance on Joy Reid's racially obsessed MSNBC program. The irony being that in bringing up the controversy, Reid, Joy Reid, who is sometimes referred to as the dumbest person on primetime television, referred to Waters as one of the dumbest people. I did hear about the comment, the Surgeon General said. And you know, Dr. Fauci is a close colleague. He's a good friend. But most importantly, he is a public servant of high integrity who has sought to serve the U.S. for more than four decades. But for anybody out there to use language that would encourage violence or speak to violence, not just against Dr. Fauci, but against anybody, especially somebody who is trying to do good for the country, that's reprehensible. It's not modeled on the kind of values I would certainly hope to raise my kids with. I'll tell you this too, Joy. We as a country, you hear the trumpets playing. In moments like this, we have to come together. We shouldn't be splintering apart. We shouldn't throw bombs at other people and try to turn people against one another. The voices of disunity, voices that endorse violence, Those are the voices that threaten to tear our country apart, that make it harder to get through a pandemic like this. Wow! What a soliloquy. In conclusion, Murthy, the Surgeon General, was clear that water should be fired. And lastly, I'll say this. If somebody like that worked in my office, in any organization that I ran, They certainly wouldn't be working there for much longer after a comment like that. Okay. Now, one would think that the Surgeon General, his hands would be a bit full right now. You know, that COVID-19 surge coming back. Oh my gosh, nationwide. Look out, Omicron is here. And it's killing everybody. You're gonna die. You know, that winter of tyranny, and death that Joe Biden prognosticated day before yesterday. (laughs) You know what nobody mentions on the left? This is why you know they have lost it. Nobody mentions the fact. I've never heard this on CNN. Never heard anybody talk about this on MSNBC or even CBS, ABC, NBC, the broadcast networks. Biggest news departments on the, on, the, on the planet. I've never heard one of them ever mention this. You know what? Maybe we ought to stop and think through these things that they're saying out there. We might want to step back for just a moment 
and analyze the fact that more Americans believe that line of reasoning than believe our line of reasoning. I remember when our guy who ran for president, Joe Biden, when he said what he was going to do if we elected him was unite the nation again. I haven't seen or heard the president, this president, doing very much of that at all. Yeah, every once in a while he says, we need to unite together. But I guess those on the far left, they have a different understanding of what uniting is. Their definition is this. We want you to unite with us. And to do that, it's real easy. All you have to do is forget what you believe and just come suck it up, join with us, keep your mouth shut, and just act like you believe what we believe. And you'll come over. After a period of time, you'll come over and you'll think like one of us. That's not unity, folks. You know what that is? That's fascism. Fascism is whoever the bosses are, or the boss, if it's a dictator or a whole group of totalitarians at the top, when they say that the sun is pink, don't you dare even think about it being some other color. You can't do that. We're united. You said you wanted to be with us. That means you've got to adopt exactly what we say and think exactly what we tell you to think. And certainly, anytime you have a disagreement with any of that, don't you dare mention it to another soul. And certainly, don't you ever bring it up in public. This guy's the Surgeon General of the United States. They are in the process now, they being the hardcore left and Democrats in state level, in national level, in local levels, in governing around the nation, they're shutting their entities down again. They're calling it a new pandemic. Oh, look at the cases of Omicron. They're just flooding the nation. Delta got pushed to the back of the bus by Omicron, which it did. Delta's pretty much gone. Omicron is flooding the nation. And it's not fitting their narrative, and they're panicking. I talked to my son last night. He works for a really big hospital in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, one of a chain. And uh, I'm looking right now to tell you what he told me. I asked him about the census at his hospital. Here's what he said. We are averaging... COVID patients in our hospital, and it's a four or 500 bed hospital. Even yesterday, between 20 and 30, that's all. We have three COVID patients on ventilators. And uh, he said, we don't get in our census whether those are Delta or Omicron patients. And there are only three people in ICU. They're all excited all over Texas because they've had the only death in the United States of anybody with Omicron. It happened in Houston. And of course, you didn't hear the mainstream media say this. All they said was, and I mean, it was in the first story that announced the death. I think it was three sentences in the story. The lat- No, the second line in the story said, 
and it happened to an unvaccinated man. They didn't tell you the guy is morbid, and that's being mild. He had all kinds of physical problems, and the reason he wasn't vaccinated is because his doctor advised him not to with all of his other stuff. He wasn't in the hospital because of any COVID or Omicron symptoms. He was tested after he got there and had been there for other problems. Oh, you've got Omicron. Boom. They do the deal. The protocol, at least in the South, in every hospital, somebody tests positive. You want to push them in, get them logged in. They're in the hospital. They're an inpatient person. And then you start the protocol, which is you put them on a remdesivir. Three days, IV treatment. Remdesivir is close to being removed from the marketplace because it destroys kidney function. And it's rampant. If it was any other medicine, the FDA would have already pulled it. Haven't done it yet because Fauci was involved in its development. And he's the COVID uh, god. I don't sound like much of a Christian when I call him the COVID God, do I? But I'm just using that as a placeholder. You understand when I say that. He is the guy, not just in the United States, but around the world on all things COVID. He's made himself the guy. Cases are rising in number, but this this variant of the uh, COVID-19 is not nearly as serious as what we experienced before. They're shutting everything down. Shutting down schools again. New York is shut down again. Now, many of the hardcore leftists in government at the state and local levels are seeing this as an opportunity of just to ratchet down on the citizens, even to a new and greater level. And sitting at the back of the room, they know that all of this, all of this massive stuff, the mandates, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates, the lockdown, closing schools, Broadway's closed down again, the Rockettes and their great Christmas performance, millions of people look forward to it every year. They're not going to have it this year. It's not because cases are going up or people are dying. It's because Dr. Fauci has sold the Omicron as the next big evil cowboy in the COVID-19 flood. Seriously, folks, that's what's going on again right now. And it's sad for a lot of reasons. Saddest most is that many Americans have just automatically bought in on that lie. And they're not even sheep anymore. They're sheeple, people that benignly listen to whoever they have recognized as their leader, and they're just doing what they're told. A lot of people on this planet really like that power that comes with that. And I mean, they just get, ooh, they feel all kind of good things coming over them when they realize, I'm one of the endowed. And they say things like the Surgeon General. What else is going on? In our military, we got a couple of rogue former retired generals that have come out. You're not going to believe what these generals said in a letter. 
You haven't heard it on mainstream media. None of the networks will even touch it. Well, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it next from them. You're going to hear where we stand. Two million people in our military. You remember Merrick Garland, Attorney General, when they did their deep dive and their own look-see into the January 6th insurrection, and he came back and he was asked, what is the biggest challenge we face? What is it? What's going on around the nation that's the biggest thing? Extremism. Extremism. And it's permeating our military, too got the truth of that. It's going to blow your mind, but it's factual. It's out there. Nobody's talking about it. You'll understand why. That's up next. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into Uh, Santa. A venti iced white mocha triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines uh, planner. Grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti green tea cream frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. Uh, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks just like when you were a kid remember their naturally sweet raisins yep still delicious and so are sunmates other snacks like creamy yogurt covered raisins sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar and sunmates new s'mores and birthday cake bites all delicious all made with whole fruit sunmade snacks hi it's jamie progressive's employee of the month two months in a row leave a message at the Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Conservative thought, not just talk at TNN. The Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Anytime something big happens in our military, it's big for all of us because we look to our military as that last line, that last line of defense against all of those from around the world who want to do us harm. And that's a big thing. And so we look at the leaders in the military and we have a lot of respect for the military. I mean, people that go into the military, this is a voluntary military that we have. No conscription. There's no draft. So roughly 2.3 million active and reserve U.S. military people in the nation today all raised their hand. They swore an oath to protect and defend the United States of America against every foe, foreign and domestic. So these leaders, when they come out and they start bashing the nation, 
they get a lot of attention. There are a lot of people that it hacks off. Not to mention 2.3 million that are at the moment when they bash the military or bash others in our nation or bash our nation, they're bashing the very entity that they too swore an oath to protect and defend. So some generals got together and they penned an opinion editorial. And guess who picked it up because it was negative? Washington Post. So calling that op-ed a borderline fascist op-ed, Glenn Greenwald sounded the warning about three former generals, basically what they were calling for is a purge of the U.S. military, and the purge, they say, is to head off a potential coup and even a civil war in 2024. They claim would be led by either former President Donald Trump or some, and here's their term, some Trumpian figure who refused to accept a Democrat win in the 2024 election. Now, I don't know if you know Glenn Greenwald. He's a journalist, a good one. He's a constitutional lawyer. He's an author. And he characterized the actions by those military leaders as vastly more dangerous and anti-democratic than January 6th was itself last year. So their op-ed talked about the alleged January 6th insurrection to caution that extremist elements among the military troops might take up arms against their own country, according to the Pentagon. The Pentagon says fewer than 100 military members are known to have been involved in substantiated cases of extremist activity in the past year. That's what the military told us yesterday. Fewer than 100. And yet these three generals say, Oh, it's all through. Everybody's going crazy. White supremacy. We got to purge them. Even Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, he put out a memo stating that exact very thing. He launched an investigation. We're going to scrutinize our military. We're going to find these hardcore sycophants, these primarily white supremacists, and we're going to root them out. They're all through the military. And yesterday we find out there's less than 100 that they think may have been involved in some type of extremist activity. That's 100 at most out of 2.3 million. You do the math. So Greenwald went to Twitter and he tweeted this. This Washington Post op-ed by three retired generals calling for the U.S. military to turn its planning against the citizenry on domestic soil in the name of stopping insurrection and misinformation is vastly more dangerous and anti-democratic than 1-6, January 6th itself. And in a follow-up tweet, he added, Remember, before 1-6, the U.S. intelligence community was claiming the greatest threat to the U.S. homeland is domestic extremism. It's long been clear that this insurrection narrative is so vital. Why? Because it justifies any domestic powers in the name of stopping it. 
So remember what happened after the Capitol protest on January 6th? You remember what our government did? They just went nuts. The FBI just brought a bevy of investigators onto task to find these insurrectionists. Folks, the FBI fully committed to it. And they've arrested more than 700 people. Many of those are still being held in Washington, D.C. jails after they were refused bail. And there have been multiple complaints of abusive treatment by those that are jailed, many being held in solitary confinement for long periods of time. No explanation. The FBI won't say anything. So in linking to one CNN report on the generals so that readers can get around the Washington Post paywall, they issued, they published this letter, but you had to be a subscriber to even read it. (laughs) So Greenwald was clear about his take on their editorial. Here's what he said. For those complaining about the Washington Post paywall not allowing them to read this authoritarian, borderline fascist op-ed, by those three general, here's a CNN segment predictably heralding their prescience. Uncritically interviews one of the authors. So the authors, retired U.S. Army General Paul D. Eaton, retired U.S. Army Major General Antonio M. Taguba, and retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Stephen M. Anderson wrote the conspiracy theory-laden piece published by The Post warning that should Democrats win the 2024 election, Republicans may install a shadow government. In the editorial, they cite the deadly insurrection at the Capitol to claim that more than one in ten of those charged in the attacks had a service record before suggesting some troops may side with the Trumpian loser. All service members take an oath to protect the U.S. Constitution, they state. But in a contested election with loyalty split, some might follow orders from the rightful commander-in-chief, while others might follow the Trumpian loser. Arms might not be secured, depending on who was overseeing them. Under such a scenario, it's not outlandish to say a military breakdown could lead to civil war. So using their logic, what you just heard, which what you just heard, what they said, what they wrote is illogical, period. Lloyd Austin, General Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, launched that massive internal investigation among 2.3 million service members and could only find 100 that might be Extremists. Now, he did not call out those extremists, those 100 by skin color or ethnicity, or even brand them as to what kind of extremists they might be. But I will guarantee you this, based upon what General Austin has said previously, everyone that he has tagged as an extremist is white, And it's because they are going to be white supremacists. We were waiting for somebody to ask somebody at the top of the military when this all came out, how many white supremacists they found. And it was asked, and guess what they heard? 
They couldn't find a single person that was active ever in the KKK. They didn't mention anything about Black Lives Matter. Didn't mention anything about Antifa. Didn't mention anything about the fact that 99 and 9 tenths percent of all of the chaos that happened around the nation, the rioting, the looting, the beating up of people, even killing people that happened, none of that happened at the hands of white supremacists. It happened at the hands of people like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. The general said in this op-ed, the Pentagon must reinforce unity of command to make perfectly clear to every member of the Defense Department whom they answer to. No service member should say they didn't understand whom to take orders from during a worst-case scenario, adding that military leaders must also identify, isolate, and remove potential mutineers. And while this disturbing editorial, it could we could just summarily dismiss it at just the opinions of three retired generals. The Pentagon under Biden is rolling out detailed new rules that prohibit service members from engaging in extremist activities as the nation nears the one-year anniversary of the Capitol protest, justifying the review of guidelines because some current service members and veterans took part in the rioting that day. They didn't tell us how many. The new rules from the Pentagon are designed to ensure that troops are clear on what they can and can't do while still protecting their First Amendment free speech rights. That's according to the Los Angeles Times. The article cites white supremacists, among other extremists, said the military is being far more specific about social media. Here we go. They're going to clamp down on hate speech. That's the number one thing. That's, that's the, uh, uh, the calling card. That's what they're throwing out there. And whatever they're going to do, and pr- I promise you, they are going to create some very far inward-reaching issues that have to be reversed, investigated, and we have to shut those kind of things down, and they're going to justify violating First Amendment rights, and they start with social media. The new policy lays out in detail the banned activities, which include advocating terrorism, supporting the overthrow of the government, fundraising or rallying on behalf of an extremist group, or liking or reposting extremist views on social media. The rules also specify that commanders must determine two things for someone to be held accountable. One, the action was an extremist activity as defined in the rules and that the service member actively participated in that prohibited activity. The overwhelming majority of the men and women of the Department of Defense served this country with honor and integrity. Integrity, that's Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in a memo to the department on Monday of this week. They respect the oath they took to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. We believe only a very few violate this oath by participating in extremist activities, he added. But even the actions of a few can have an outsized impact on unit cohesion, morale, and readiness, and the physical harm some of these activities can engender can undermine the safety of our people. 
Okay, let's just back up. Let's go up back to 10,000 feet, and let's look at this thing. Do you realize what the Secretary of Defense has initiated here? We're going to ferret out the people that disagree with us on pretty much everything. We're going to brand them, and we're going to accuse them of having extremist views. And the way we're going to determine they have these is not because of anything they do, but what they do expressing themselves. You know, like on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any other place. And oh, by the way, we're the arbiters of the First Amendment, not these lowly service members. We're the bosses, so we can determine exactly what is extremist activity. We're the ones that determine that, and listen closely. We're not going to give you a definition that breaks it out in detail of what those encompass. You just need to know this. If we say it's extremist, it is extremist, and we're going to get rid of you. In other words, we're going to trample all over your First Amendment rights, and we don't give a rip what you think. We're the leaders of this military. We're the ones that are in charge, as explained by these three sycophant generals who believe in totalitarian operations among the elite in our U.S. military, 2.3 million active and reservist in our military, and they can point to 100 that might be classified as extremists. And here we have spent months, better part of a year, And the number one priority for this Secretary of Defense is to find those bad, bad extremists. You know, the ones that we think are extreme. And because we think they're extremists, they are. Let's make sure we take care of those. Get rid of those people. We want everybody to march in line to think just like us. And anybody that doesn't think just like us is an extremist and get them out of here. Meanwhile... Today, how many days has it been since the end of September? We know now we have 400-plus Americans, folks, that on Lloyd Austin's watch, the Secretary of Defense and his leading generals and admirals on their watch, they left 400-plus Americans Behind enemy lines in Afghanistan, they won't talk about it. They won't give us the names. They won't give us any updates. They won't tell us what they're doing to get them out. You know why? Because they're not doing anything. It's like, if we don't talk about it, if we don't bring it up, it's not real. Don't even listen. Don't even think about it. It's not really happening. Remember? Former Admiral Kirby, who's the spokesperson for the Pentagon when this was all going on, when the first few weeks, we knew we had a bunch of Americans there. They told us, oh, it's, you know, 100 or less. At first, they wouldn't even say that. They would say a few dozen. And then somewhere near 100, probably on the low side, his exact words, they knew and they know not only how many are there, They know their names. They know who their family members are. They know the circumstances about it all. And they're doing nothing. 
Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, on his order, on his order specifically, our military left $82 billion of weaponry and supplies, military supplies and aircraft and vehicles at Bagram Air Base, just left them there with the keys in them and gave them over to the Taliban, knowing they would do it. Thousands of M4 rifles. Those are the ones that all of the far-left people in our government are screaming about that we have all over the United States. Anybody that owns an AR-15, it's a weapon of war. An AR-15 is not. It's a semi-automatic. You pull the trigger one time, one bullet fires. You let go of the trigger, pull it again, a second bullet fires. The thousands of those rifles that Joe Biden left for the Taliban, they're called M4s, which is the automatic, fully automatic version of an AR-15. That's the one where you squeeze the trigger and hold it down. If you have a clip with 100 bullets in it, it'll fire all 100 in rapid succession unless and until you release the trigger. Joe Biden handed all of those, thousands of them, over to the Taliban and ISIS. In fact, the next week, we reported here at TNN Live, reports that those guns were in stores around Kabul, and they were selling those M4s to Afghan residents. There were explosive materials at Bagram Air Base. You know, the things that are used to make bombs. Those 13 people killed in that bombing at the airport, 13 Americans and about 100 Afghanis were killed when that suicide bomb exploded the materials in that bomb. Joe Biden left them. They traced them back to the explosives that were at Bagram Air Base. Those are the people, folks, that are preaching to us about white supremacy and other terrorist group, domestic terror, extremism in our military, and they identified 100 maybes out of 2.3 million? It's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal that we live in a world where that's okay. Well, have you heard... Federal Attorney John Durham is really ramping up his investigation into the sources of the Russia collusion hoax during the Trump administration. And he came out yesterday and he began to give some names and tell some specifics about what's going on out there. Maria Bartiromo had uh, acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker on with her early this morning, and they talked about a bunch of things, but they talked about this. Listen to this part of this conversation between Matthew Whitaker and Maria Bartiromo. Let's talk uh, John Durham for a second, the special counsel telling a federal court that he's scrutinizing members of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. No surprise here to me, no surprise to you. Durham's team requesting a judge inquire into a potential conflict of interest connected to the lawyers of Christopher Steele's main source, Igor Danchenko. Durham's team says a separate lawyer at their firm is also currently representing Clinton's 2016 campaign and some of its former employees. Oh, now, what a coincidence 
coincidence, Matt, the same law firm that is representing Igor Danchenko, the guy who lied about the dossier, same firm representing Hillary Clinton's campaign. Yeah, and obviously, because they are at the same firm, they could share information, hypothetically. And, you know, I mean, where Durham is going is to is exactly what his charge is, which is to get to the origins of the Russian collusion fable. And I think at the end of the day, uh, all roads are leading to the Hillary Clinton campaign and maybe even Hillary Clinton herself, because, you know, this was a complete fabrication that was used to obfuscate uh, the media, to, to anyone that was paying attention, to get them off of the 30,000 emails that Hillary Clinton had destroyed. And so what did they do? They, you know, they did the classic four-year-old game. Well, you know, that I, you know, it's you, not me. Uh, it's your fault. And, you yeah. know, they created this Russian collusion uh, story. And it's, you know, I think Durham is on uh, the trail. And I think he is going to find where this started and, and who started the lie. Unbelievable how effective they were in terms of ensnaring the FBI and government agencies to run around with their lie of Russia collusion, Matt. That's because they wanted to believe it. It's because they didn't like Donald Trump. They didn't like what he stood for. They knew he was an outsider. He was not a person from the swamp. That's right. And then he was going to shake things up and hold people accountable. And he did exactly that. And they didn't like that. And they didn't like being uh, exactly asked tough right. questions. They didn't like being held accountable for their actions. And that's what this is, you know, but, this is a classic Washington rising up to, against something they don't like. Yeah, that's right. And she just wanted to cover up what she was doing with her emails. Matt, it's good to see you. Merry right. Christmas. Thank you so much for all of your work this Merry year. Merry Morning Maria. with Maria. Thank you. Good to see you. Matt Whitaker joining we'll us this morning. We'll do it again next year. We're all wondering what happened to John Durham. Did he just go away? No, he's been anything but going away. He's been all over this. What's amazing is that it's being kept quiet. Normally, if this had been the other side of the political aisle, had been instigating this type of investigation, as we saw in the Mueller investigation. I mean, everything that Mueller was doing, we all knew about it when it was happening. People like Adam Schiff would go into these uh, extremely confidential briefings. You know, you're not even supposed to talk to anybody. You can't even tell anybody about the content, the documents, the evidence, the people that you were uh, interviewing. You can't even talk about that. They would take a break Everybody'd see Adam Schiff out in the hallway on the phone. We found out later he was talking to anonymous sources within the FBI and the Department of Justice. <laughs> because it's now that president is out of office and the special counsel that was appointed and stayed over. I don't I still don't understand why Joe Biden did not make Merrick Garland fire John Durham, Merrick Garland, the now Attorney General, and stop this investigation going on quietly, behind the scenes, investigation, stuff going on, and more and more is coming out. You can just see a real good investigator, which John Durham is known for being that. You can see him going to each player in that scenario, and he's, he's cutting deals. He's basically saying, and I'm going to paraphrase here, I'm hypothesizing, I can hear him doing it. Well, we know that you and this guy and this guy and this woman and this guy over here, we know what y'all were doing. We have an idea. We just want to get to the meat of the thing and find out who started it all and what the sources were. So we're going to keep digging. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to go light on the first person that comes forward and gives us facts. Do you want to be the first person or you want to be the guy at the end of that chain? Because not everybody in this group is going to be willing to take the fall. Do you want to go spend time in prison? Or do you want to cut a deal and give us the facts now? I guarantee you that's what he's been doing. And he's going to get all the way to the top of the daisy chain of people that are doing the wrong things and people that were doing the wrong things in the Russia collusion investigation. I don't know all the details. I don't know who all the players are. We all have a pretty good idea, and I can guarantee you it goes really, really deep among some very, very powerful and interconnected people in politics, names that we hear every day, people we see every day. Somebody's going to take the fall, and whoever that person or those people are, they're going to pay a serious price. This has been magnified in volume and intensity and in extremists day after day, month after month. When they get to it, it's going to be really, really ugly. I'm kind of looking forward to that. You know the truth? Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Have a seat. Hey, where's the food? What kind of meeting is this? There's no food. We just said that so you would show up. What? No food? There's someone we think you should talk to. Hey, Dan, your co-workers told me you haven't done your taxes. I just want to say, you can call a TurboTax Live CPA for help. We'll help you get your refund and get back to your life. You'd really do that for me? Yeah, Dan. It's literally my job. Thanks, guys. So there's no snacks? Nothing? I brought kale. TurboTax Live. Now with CPAs on demand. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo -woo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah! Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee fi fo foam. I smell the. I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. Three days until Christmas. Have you got all your shopping done? I, I, I talked to my friends. It's pretty much interesting how everybody does it a little bit differently every year. You know, mamas always do the bulk of the gift shopping because they know more, they have more patience, they're kinder, they're gentler, 
Most guys, we at least shop for one person. Who's that? Our wives. And we always wait till the last minute to do it. Well, guys, you've run out of time. You don't want to not get mom something really nice for Christmas. So uh, I'm not going to make any suggestions because everybody's different. Everybody's wife, everybody's mother have different tastes and different wants and wishes, but they all like something nice. They all like presents. So don't mess up. I'm warning you. Don't be crying, coming, calling, sending me texts and emails saying, I should have listened to you. I decided I was too busy. I didn't go buy a present. You're going to pay a price. Oh, my goodness, will you pay a price? I don't care who you are. If you're a guy and you're married, you best be getting her something, and it better be something good. Think about what she does all year long for you guys. She takes care of the kids, takes care of the house, takes care of the business of the house. And a lot of times your wife is doing that while she's working, sometimes making more money than you make. Sometimes it just pays off to just take it, guys, just take it and admit it and quit trying to prove that you're on par with your wife because you're not. I know some of you. You're not. None of us are. (laughs) They can run and walk and talk and do circles around us in pretty much every area. And I'm not diminishing you guys. I'm just saying, look, somebody that's much wiser than I did, than I am, once told me that women control at least half the money in the world. At least half, probably more. But they control all the booger. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't win, guys. You're not going to win. And the other side of that is you don't want to win that war. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's Christmas time. Be happy. Well, as we open the show, we talk briefly about the Omicron variant and what is happening around the world. I just got an email from my son uh, about their census at their hospital. Ah, Let me look at it real quick and tell you. He gives me the numbers every day. 24 COVID cases in the hospital. Three are on ventilators in ICU. All three of those on ventilators have comorbidities. So it's people that were there anyway and tested positive um, for COVID-19 after they were there. So at least in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he said that's pretty much the basis of what's going on around the area, the Metroplex, pretty much that way. It's not bad right now. Let's keep our fingers crossed and believe it's going to stay that way. So you don't hear much about, we don't get much information from the World Health Organization, the WHO. I don't know if you knew this or not, but they're a division of the United Nations, the health division. Well, they came out yesterday, kind of strange, but they came out yesterday and they warned that there is too much at stake this year to celebrate Christmas. WHO Director General and Ethiopian Biologist, Dr. Tedros Adhanom, I can't even say the last name. We just call him Dr. Tedros. He told journalists in Geneva, the fastest way for the world to get back to normal is for people to cancel or delay Christmas events. He continued and said, quote, an event canceled is better than a life canceled. It's better to cancel now and celebrate later than to celebrate now and grieve later. 
Now, they haven't previously issued any kind of global decree to cancel any other religious holidays, such as the Muslims' Eid or the Hindus' Diwala as a result of coronavirus. Dr. Margaret Harris, she's a public health doctor, and she's a spokesperson for the WHO, and in an interview with Sky News out of Australia, did initially advise against nations locking down, citing the huge implications lockdowns have on mental health and also obviously on nations' economies. However, Dr. Harris did also mention that lockdowns do work and governments will use them if they run out of options, such as when the hospitals are overwhelmed. The other key component of the WHO spokesperson's advice for us here at Christmas was, of course, the encouragement of vaccines. She commented while wearing the mask and the distancing will protect individuals, they still need to really, really seriously get vaccinated. She went on and said people shouldn't just get vaccinated, but if individuals are aware of someone who's still struggling with the idea of being vaccinated, that they should help them to get vaccinated. She didn't define that. I'd kind of like to know what helping somebody get vaccinated really means. Additionally, if people were going to have Christmas parties, Harris advised them to consider individuals' vaccine status if they're going to attend the event. The Director General, Dr. Tedros, echoed this message, suggesting that if 70% of every country's population was vaccinated by mid-2022, the coronavirus pandemic could be ended by 2023. Let me just say this. I'm going to point my finger towards Geneva, Switzerland, where Dr. Tedros hangs out and say, liar, 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 pants on fire. Who in the heck, how in the heck could this guy, could anybody make that and it be a plausible, believable statement? I'll say it again. If 70% of every country's population was vaccinated by mid-2022, the coronavirus pandemic could be ended by 2023. Let me tell you why that's not true. Absolutely not true. The whole nation of Israel, they blocked people from coming in and Israeli people leaving the country. They locked it down. Nobody in, nobody out for a period of time. 97% vaccinated in Israel. Today, right now, today, their hospital emergency rooms and intensive care units are full of vaccinated Israeli people that have gotten breakthrough infections, and those are more serious than many of the infections that happen to unvaccinated people. Those are facts. Tedros thinks the people he was speaking to, whoever they are, don't know the reality and the truth of what's going on regarding COVID-19 around the world. They'll say anything, folks. They'll say anything. And speaking about saying anything, Dr. Fauci and former director of the National Institutes of Health, in other words, Fauci's boss, Dr. Francis Collins, they're in deep trouble, folks. Collins was very disturbed after a group of scientists teamed up to criticize the lockdowns and they proposed a different strategy to handle the pandemic, which was 
they said, hey, we ought to just protect the elderly and the vulnerable, allow kids and young people to go to work in school. That statement released by a group of scientists was called the Great Barrington Declaration, caught the attention of some in Donald Trump's administration. HHS Secretary Alex Azar and Scott Atlas. Scott Atlas is a neurodiologist advising Trump on the pandemic, met with those group, that group of scientists. Collins appeared very upset. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises, Collins warned back in October of 2020. In an email from Collins to guess who? Anthony Fauci. The Fauci and Collins emails were obtained and released because of a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act, submitted by the American Institute for Economic Research. Dr. Collins called that proposal fringe and dangerous in a Washington Post article, sending it around to Fauci and the National Institutes of Health Group, warning that it will not be appreciated by the Trump White House. They're too busy with other things to worry about this, smirked Fauci. What you said was entirely right. Fauci and Collins also got together. They colluded with White House coronavirus advisor Dr. Deborah Burks, remember her, to find out whether Atlas was bringing up the Great Barrington Declaration in meetings. Some of the emails are redacted in the FOIA request response, but Dr. Fauci demonstrated his loathing for Atlas and the Great Barrington Declaration. Both Collins and Fauci called the declaration as the let-it-rip proposal. Quite frankly, that is nonsense. Anybody who knows anything about the epidemiology will tell you that is nonsense and very dangerous. Fauci said that on Yahoo News. The text of the declaration does not use that description, but it suggests allowing people who are not likely to die from the virus to develop natural immunity against the disease. So Fox News anchor Brett Baer confronted Collins on his emails Sunday this week, triggering him again to refer to the strategy as the let this virus rip proposal. I did write that, and I stand by that, he said, describing the scientist as fringe epidemiologist. Hundreds of thousands of people would have died if we had followed that strategy, Collins continued. I'm sorry. I was opposed to that. I'm still opposed, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Despite the initial public condemnation of that great Barrington declaration by federal health scientists, some public officials took the proposal seriously and let it inform their public virus policies. The three scientists who wrote that declaration, they met with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida in April of this year for a roundtable discussion about COVID-19. But guess what? It was a roundtable televised discussion filmed and it was published on YouTube. But the video of this discussion was removed by YouTube. Hmm, wonder why. Does any of that sound peculiar to you? Those are the exact same things that we have seen and heard from most of the so-called experts. 
the folks that our government has propped up to us as being the experts about anything and everything to do with health care. Oh, these people know more than any of us. But yet, those people that know more, Dr. Burks, Dr. Collins, Dr. Fauci, misrepresentation, misstatement, lie, falsehood, incorrect, one after another, one after another. Nobody calls them out. And if you dare to disagree with them, they drop you in the grease so quick you'll fry like a pork skin crackling. They don't even think twice about that. If you disagree with them, you're unworthy to do that. You're a far-right extremist. You're anti-science. You're anti-truth. You're everything evil, evil they can come up with. But when they're wrong, when they make a mistake, oh, they didn't make a mistake. You misunderstood what we were talking about. It's not about us. It's not about anything we did wrong or anything we said. It's because you don't understand or you're believing the wrong kind of things. You're not eligible to speak in circles that we travel in. You're not worthy. You remember that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's that ridiculous, folks. It's that ridiculous. Now, let me blow your mind with another one before we go to our next break. Have you, you've, you've watched some of CNN. Now, don't, don't lie to me. Don't say, no, I would never want. You've watched it time to time. You're like me. I'll flip over every once in a while just to see what they're talking about and who's saying what. And when you've done that, they have a doctor on there, a medical analyst named Leanna Wynn. So you didn't hear this anywhere else, I promise you, but I'm going to drop one on you that'll blow your mind. On air Monday on Newsroom, she said, cloth mask are little more than facial decorations in preventing the spread of the Omicron variant. Anchor Victor Blackwell said this, Mayor Bill de Blasio said the city has not yet made a decision on if it will cancel the Times Square event for crowds to show up. Right now, you have to be vaccinated. And if they hold it. But for people considering going there or to the peach drop in Atlanta or any of the similar events across the country, what would your advice to them be? Good or not good? If you are vaccinated, you're fine? What do you think? Wynn said this. I don't think that Mayor de Blasio should be canceling the New York City event because it requires proof of vaccination and it's outdoors. We should be keeping the events that are safe and also the events that are fun for people too. We can't be canceling everything, especially if we're going to be living with COVID for the foreseeable future. I would, you say, if you choose to go, make sure you're vaccinated and boosted and wearing a mask. Even though it's outdoors, there are a lot of people packed around you wear a three-ply surgical mask. Don't wear a cloth mask. Cloth mask or little more than facial decoration. There's no place for them in light of the Omicron. Now let me ask you, we have been preached to by the very people that we were just talking about in the previous 
story we covered, Dr. Deborah Burks, Dr. Francis Collins, Dr. Anthony Fauci from the very beginning, all mask, mask this, mask that. We published for you 47 tests, control laboratory tests, that were done over the last few years for every type of mask that's been produced, professionally even, for healthcare workers in hospitals and laboratories to use. In all 47 of those reports that we published, cloth masks don't work at all. They don't stop any virus, any bacteria cell, nothing, and certainly not COVID-19. The only mask that was discovered in those laboratory research analysis, the only mask that works is an N95 mask, but not just grab an N95 mask and throw it on. Uh Uh-uh. It has to be connected and sealed, and you're breathing from oxygen from the outside that's pumped into that mask, which is very, very expensive and hard to find. Nobody's going to do that. So what's the bottom line? Leanna Wynn, cloth masks are little more than facial decorations in preventing the spread of the Omicron variant of coronavirus. Do you think there was a producer somewhere in CNN when she said that on air on Sunday, Monday, that went crazy and got in her earpiece screaming at her, you can't say that. You can't say that. We're CNN. We're the ones that carry the real science stories around here. And we've been touting mask requirements for more than a year. You're going to mess with people's minds. You can't say that. But she did. Oh, by the way, those 47 test results I, I told you that we published here at TNN Live, those reports came from the CDC website. They put it out there, but they never reference this, and they sure don't believe their own reporting because they keep touting, you got to wear a mask. You got to wear a mask or you're going to die. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. The world tells you to wait. That waiting is polite. And good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place. Take it. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. In work. In love. In life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power. Because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. Here's the latest traffic report. 
Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. In a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network. Yep, that's what we do here, folks. We grab those facts, you know, those good things and we tell you about them. Something happened yesterday that um, it just shocked a lot of people. Do you know what Biden did? He thanked Donald Trump. He congratulated Donald Trump for something. Let me be clear. Thanks to the prior administration and our scientific community, America is one of the first countries to get the vaccine. That's Joe Biden that said that before he credited his administration for ramping up vaccination distribution after he took his oath of office. In that speech yesterday, Biden spoke about the rapid spread of the Omicron variant during a speech at the White House, encouraging everybody to get a third shot of the vaccine to boost their protection against the virus. Just the other day, former President Trump announced he'd gotten his booster shot, Biden said. Maybe one of the few things he and I agree on. Trump spoke about the vaccine in an interview with Bill O'Reilly, telling him that he had received his booster shot. Former president said his supporters were playing right into their hands by doubting the efficacy of the vaccines. Trump boasted he and his administration had saved tens of millions of lives. What we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away, he said, referring to his critics. Trump added he did not support the idea of mandates of any kind. If you don't want to take it, you should not be forced to take it. No mandates. Trump later explained why he endorsed the booster shots in a handwritten note to New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman. Must tell the truth and very proud to have produced the three vaccines so quickly. Millions of lives saved worldwide. Best wishes, Donald. The note said, I guess that's an epic thing. Wouldn't you say it's epic? Just simply because Joe Biden said anything nice about Donald Trump. I don't think they're on each other's Christmas card list. Maybe, but I kind of doubt it. Well, this morning, President Biden and uh, congressional Democrats are getting less done in Washington than most voters expected. And they're not happy about it. The voters aren't. That's a new poll that's out. Meanwhile, a separate poll released this week shows Biden's approval rating reaching the lowest point in his presidency. The sluggish poll results came out as the Biden administration is grappling with inflation inflation fears that are just flooding the nation. Everybody's scared to death about it. Everybody's paying the price for it. A new rise in COVID cases that is prompting governments and businesses alike to grab protocols similar to those back in the lockdowns of 2020. And the stalling of the president's policy agenda in Congress, where the BBB, the Build Back Better spending plan, 
hit a brick wall. (laughs) The brick wall has a name. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. He was the deciding factor for it not to come to the floor of the Senate to be voted on. So in the poll we're referencing here, by Morning Consult and Politico together, 41% of those polls said congressional Democrats have accomplished less than they expected, compared to 10% saying they accomplished more than expected, 32% saying they accomplished just about what was expected. For Biden, on meeting voter expectations, the numbers were similar. 42% believe the president has accomplished less than expected. 11% say more than expected. 38% say he's accomplished about what was expected. So the big, those numbers aren't staggering. I mean, they're not good. And uh, those numbers are worse than any other recent president. Oh, by the way, including Donald Trump. But the big numbers within the numbers are this. Just 41% of Americans now say they approve of Joe Biden and the job he's been doing. Perhaps the most worrisome thing for the Democrats, independence, independence have just abandoned Joe Biden. Support for Joe Biden among independents in just one week dropped by 8%. 55% of Americans say they disapprove of Biden's job performance. 44% say they strongly disapprove. That 55% disapproval is 20 points higher than when Biden first took office, while the strongly disapprove result, six points higher than an Ameris poll taken just a week ago. Along party lines, 95% of Republicans say they disapprove of Biden. The president enjoys support from 87% of the votes in his own party. His disapproval rate among Democrats has climbed by six points since he took office. Listen to these numbers. Independence. Two-thirds of voters not affiliated with the party say they disapprove of Biden, half saying they strongly disapprove. Both results mark increases of at least 30 points since Inauguration Day, January 20th. Overall, just 29% of independents backed the president, the report said. Why is that so bad for Joe? Basically, every national election, every presidential election, as go the independent voters, that's who wins. If they support you, you win. If they are against you, you lose. And I mean, I've never seen a president in my lifetime that I can think of. Remember, when I started paying attention to uh, polls, not a one has been so upside down in the support of independence. And it's not just about Joe Biden himself, folks. It's about what is playing out on the stage in the lives of every American today. Very little government-related is even healthy, yet alone good. It's bad. This January 6th thing, it's still rambling on. And they're just going after one person after another. Former deputy assistant to President Trump and a conservative analyst, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, they're after him now. 
And he's not going to take it lying down. He vowed to go to a political battle yesterday with the House Select Committee. They've chosen the wrong guy, he said. They still, they probably don't know that I still have all my clearances and I'm prepared to go to a political battle with Adam Schiff, with Nancy Pelosi, with all of the radicalized Democrats that sadly have destroyed that party. That's what Gorka said yesterday. I'm going to approach it as somebody who has been teaching about political warfare for 20 years, training the intelligence community, the FBI, members of the military special forces to understand that you don't have to fire a shot to destroy the greatest republic on God's green earth. At Turning Point USA's America Fest, we talked about it. It happened in Phoenix this past weekend into the early part of this week. Gorka revealed during his speech to the gathering of young conservatives that Verizon notified him his phone records had been subpoenaed by the House committee and that they would be handed over unless an injunction is filed within 15 days. Gorka pointed out that his case is unique because in other cases of phone carriers being subpoenaed by that committee, the target was not informed in advance of the documents being turned over. Gorka said that that subpoena did not include any allegation of a crime, only citing a speech that he was scheduled to deliver in front of the Supreme Court on January 6th, but he never did. Regardless, he said, Verizon will be handing over troves of phone records and other personal data in compliance with what he calls the Democrats' political intimidation of Trump supporters, adding If they can do that to a former deputy assistant to the president, they can do that to anybody. No mention was made of any crime. I'm alleged to have committed. I was supposed to give a speech that day, which I didn't. I didn't know that's a crime in America. And the fact is, for Verizon, who of course are capitulating, they're supposed to dump everything, all the phone number details, the SIM card details, the product registration details for me and my whole family. So if they can do that to a former deputy assistant to the president, they can do it to anybody. This is purely about political intimidation of the 74 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump. I've done nothing, Dr. Gorka said, but that's not the principle. The principle is the U.S. Constitution and the Fourth Amendment and my rights to undue seizure of my property and my information. This is truly Soviet tactics, he said. This is straight out of Alinsky's rules for radicals. This is the politics of personal destruction. Do you understand where this is going, folks? It's going down a road that we don't want to go down. This is turning our government on all of us. And if we sit by complicitly and watch it happen and continue to let it happen, we're just as much at fault as is anybody else, the ones that are even doing it. When you have a situation where the Secretary of Defense of our military, over all of our military, 2.1 million military members, that's active and reserve, 2.1 million. And the Secretary of Defense came out and launched an internal investigation claiming when it happened 
when he announced it. He put out that memo and said, hey, we're going to find all of the extremists in our military. We're going to get rid of them. Oh, and they're everywhere. We hear stories every day. They're involved in all kinds of extremist activities. We're going to find them, ferret them out, and kick them out. And very quietly, it was announced yesterday, they finished their look-see, and guess they found a huge number of Americans in the military that are extremists. The report said that they found fewer than 100. And what those fewer than 100 they did in the report said they engaged in prohibited extremist activity over the past year. It was, it, it was expected that there were going to be way more. I know Secretary Lord Austin. He cringed when he read the report. I bet he asked, is that all? Fewer than 100? Fewer than 100? We have 2.1 million out there. There's got to be hundreds of thousands of people that are involved in that. Why did General Austin think that? It's because he listens to CNN, MSNBC. He supports Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer, the Democrat Party. That's part of their political platform that they espouse. If you don't agree with us right down the line on everything, you're an extremist. Conservatives are extremists. Anybody that caucuses with the Republican Party is an extremist. I mean, really bad folks. I mean, look at what they did. Oh, they stormed Minneapolis. They burned down most of the city. They've been for a year out in Portland, Oregon, almost every night beating up people, tearing down buildings, attacking individuals, even shot and killed one guy. They did it in Rochester, New York. Now, wait a minute. That wasn't those conservatives. That was those far leftists. You know, those real extremists that we can't talk about because they're people of color. And then, of course, you have the Antifa members. They're not necessarily people of color, but they're fascist. They're hardcore leftists militarily. And they, they basically burned down the entire city of Portland. They've done it in several other cities. They didn't look for any of those types in the military in this investigation. They were looking for white people. They won't say that because saying it would mean you're a racist. And they, want, they don't want to be portrayed as racist. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you can't ever say that about a Democrat. Their eyes are being opened, and maybe, I'm praying, maybe that there are some military leaders, like former general, he's not a former general, he'll be a general forever, but he's not active. He's now the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Hopefully his eyes will be open, and he'll understand that you can't begin every conversation with a fundamental basis set in your mind that anybody who disagrees with you is disagreeing with you because they're a racist. That's a lie from the F, from the West, the left, that has changed our entire society, our way of thinking. A whole generation have bought into that lie. And they literally have been taught, they have been conditioned to weigh the value of anybody and everybody based upon their skin color. 
it's virtually impossible for a white person to have any feelings that are real about a person of color. Why? Because they're white. Critical race theory. (laughs) It's permeating through our military, through our public schools, top to bottom. We're finding out every day. We're going to run out of time. We had a long story about critical race theory is still being taught across the nation in public schools, and they're hiding it. The educators are hiding that they're teaching it. And, of course, they don't call it critical race theory because they don't want the parents. Oh, my gosh, those evil parents that look over the shoulders of their kids and really pay attention to what their kids are studying now, and their parents are finding out what we're doing. we gotta, we got to hide it. We can't talk about it in public. That's actually happening. Well, we're getting down to the last quarter hour of the show today, and I promised you up top we're going to end this show with a little little bit of news and information and a story that I think you'll find endearing. I think you'll find it important, especially this time of year. We're going to get to that right after we take our final break. We're not anywhere near being done, folks, so don't dial out. Don't punch out because I want you to hear this. We've got a very special show coming up, by the way, on Friday of this week. You certainly don't want to miss it. It's very Christmas-related, and you're going to enjoy it. We'll tell you more about that tomorrow. But sit tight. Our final break of Wednesday, back after this at TNN Live to wrap it up. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Ladies. We ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Peace. Sun, moon, and night.
across that and I had to grab it and play it. That's a different version. Uh, if you're, I, I can't even call it rap. I don't know what it was, but it was different. Somebody was very innovative. I think you would agree. Hey, listen, before we get into this one thing, I want you to hear one very salient, very important thing our president had to say yesterday. It's only about 40 seconds. Here's President Joe Biden. Get vaccinated now. It's free. It's convenient. I promise you, it saves lives. Folks, the booster shots are free and widely available. Over 60 million Americans, including 62% of eligible seniors, our most vulnerable group, have gotten their booster shots. I got my booster shot as soon as they were available. And just the other day, former President Trump announced he had gotten his booster shot. It may be one of the few things he and I agree on. People with booster shots are highly protected. Join them. Join us. Don't even talk about the fact that tens of thousands of them that have, you know, double vaccinated and even triple booster shots are getting sick. And many of those are ending up and intensive care on ventilators, and many of them die. Don't even think about that. Just listen to me. They're free. Get yours today. I couldn't resist. I had to throw that in. James Posey just dropped me a note about that version of Silent Night. He said that's awesome. (laughs) James is a, a drummer. He's a musician, a really good drummer. We, for years, played together a lot. Keyboards and drummers. We had some good musicians and had a good time. Anyway, here's what I wanted you to understand. I think maybe we can just call this my perspective about Christmas. And it's not because I'm anybody special. It's just because I'm a now a 60-year-old old guy from South Louisiana who um, lived the life and uh, a very, we were low middle middle class income, I think, We never did without, at least my brother and I didn't. Our parents did, and in many cases, we didn't even know it. Christmases were usually pretty lean. Um, Living in Franklin, Louisiana, for a lot of reasons, and I won't go into all the reasons, but I loved to fish and hunt. Before I ever had a car, I bought a a boat motor and a trailer, a 14-foot aluminum bateau, which is kind of a a flat-bottom front aluminum boat 
with an 18-horsepower Evinrude. Lived it right in the middle of a bunch of water in Franklin, Louisiana. I spent a lot of time there. I got a part-time job my uh, sophomore year in high school at a local daytime radio station. My speech teacher was the news director there. And I needed a part-time job. I asked him if he would look out for one for me. The next day, he said, hey, they're looking for somebody at the radio station to work part-time. Won't you come down there this afternoon? I did. I thought, you know, maybe a janitor, maybe to clean up, maybe to repair some things. They took me into the the studio where they record all the commercials, put me in front of a microphone and handed me a news story to read, and they recorded it. I still have that reel-to-reel tape that I recorded that interview on. They hired me to be on air. Man, I was excited. They were a top 40 news radio station, a combination of news and top 40 music. And way back then, folks, in the late 60s, ho, 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 top 40 music was the bomb. And instantly at Franklin High School, I became a superstar because I had my own radio show and they listened to me in the afternoon. I spent a lot of time. The radio station was built on the banks of the Tesh Bayou. And I remember numerous times on Friday, Friday morning, I would hook that boat up to the back of my mom's car. I didn't have a car. And she would take me down. I would launch that boat early in the morning and drive it up the Tesh Bayou and tie it up behind the high school, Franklin High School. And immediately after class was over, I'd jump in my boat. I would drive it down to the radio studio, which was on about two miles further down the Tesh Bayou behind KFRA, the radio station. I'd do my show. It signed off at sunset. Then at sunset, when I signed off, I'd get in my boat and I would head out to the middle of one of the lakes that the Tesh Bayou fed into, the Grand Lake or the Six Mile Lake. And I'd spend the weekend out there. I'd hunt, I'd fish, I'd camped out. I had a blast. My life was good. My dad was a pastor. He pioneered a church in Franklin, Louisiana in 1967. That church is still there and it's thriving. And so growing up in a Christian home, growing up in the home of a pastor, um, and being a keyboard guy, I played the piano, the organ, and every service. Sometimes I liked it, sometimes I didn't like it, but I was there, and being there, I got exposed to some really great things. I learned a lot as a young American, living in a small country town, if you call being in South Louisiana in a very Cajun flair, (laughs) a small country town. It was a small Cajun town, but anyway, I learned a lot of things that I didn't appreciate until much later on. But 21 years ago today, December 22nd in 1969, my dad exploded that world when he walked in. My older brother, four years older than me, was in the military. He was already gone. He was in the Navy. It was just mom and I. And he left. He left, literally left mom and I and took off. I don't need to tell you that Our lives changed dramatically, really dramatically. My mother had a nervous breakdown, needed to be hospitalized, and she was. Franklin, Louisiana is 50 miles away from where I grew up, Lafayette, Louisiana. I didn't know a lot of people 
in Franklin. I didn't know what I was going to do. Look what happened to my mom. My dad's gone. My brother's gone. And I couldn't handle the immediate instant pressure that happened to a 16-year-old kid. I just turned 16. So I left. And I moved back to Lafayette, had some friends that lived there that had a house. Remember, I'm a 16-year-old. I didn't have any money. I left the job, a part-time job in Franklin, because we weren't going to be able to pay the rent in the house we were living in. My mom was gone and was in a hospital. So I moved into that garage apartment. This was the middle of my junior year in high school, and I enrolled at Lafayette High School, and I found an after-work DJ on-air job at KFMB in Lafayette, which is another top 40 station. It's still there, KSMB, and it's a it's a, uh, a music statement, a 100,000-watt FM station. And Lafayette's a much bigger market. So I felt like I had a future in radio if I wanted to stay in radio. So I was going to school, and then after work, after school, I'd go to work and work on the weekends. So I had some money coming in. But I had no clue what was going to happen to my life. Folks, 16-year-olds aren't supposed to have to be making those kind of decisions at that particular point. But I didn't have any other options. Through the years being a pastor's son, I went to a lot of church events, including camps. I'd gone to youth camp every year, and I met a guy from Shreveport, Louisiana, who was a year older than me, Rudy Greenlee. We had a mutual friend that lived in Lafayette, and he was having some spiritual emotional problems. So Denny Duran, this guy from Shreveport, came down to visit him. While they were visiting, they were riding around, had the radio on, and my friend Rudy said, you know who that is? That's Dan Newman. They couldn't believe it. Anyway, they they came to the studio. We spent some time together. And at the end of that evening, after we'd had dinner, Denny was planning. He's a year older. He was graduating. He had been called to the ministry, and he was going to travel. He put a music group together, and they were going to travel and sing and preach and hold services at churches around the South that summer, and they needed a keyboard guy. He said, why don't you come and go with us? I thought about it, and I said, I'll think about it. And about 20 seconds later, I said, I'm in. To make a long story short, came to North Louisiana, settled in, Traveled, his parents asked me to move in and be their son. And I did. The next year, I went to Louisiana Tech. I met a gorgeous young lady from Cotton Valley, Louisiana. We got married, three wonderful children, six grandkids. I've lived an amazing life when it looked like there was nothing but bad in front of me. Folks, it's been glorious. Yeah, it's been bad at times. We've had physical problems. We've had emotional problems. We've had kid problems. All the same fights that families have, period. We've had them all. Health problems. We're just people. But folks, when it looks like there's no good way out, God's got a good way out. You just got to wait, you got to be patient, and you got to find it.
We're going to finish this show. I'm going to play you a song. It's not Christmas song. But it talks about the one thing that kept me centered all those years as a teenager when it looked like I had nothing and had nobody and no hope. I always longed for home. My home was taken away from me by a dad who was messed up. He was human. I struggled with that for years, but I made it right with him many years ago. But I always wanted a home, and I have one now. I have a great home. I've got a great family. Be thankful for your home this week especially. Be thankful and thank God for it. I love you folks. Enjoy this song. Another summer day has come and gone away From Paris and Rome, but I want to go home Maybe surrounded by a million people I still feel all alone Just want to go home Oh, I miss you, you know And I've been keeping all the letters that I wrote to you Each one in line or two I'm fine, baby, how are you? I would send them, but I know that it's just not enough My words were cold and flat And you deserve more than that Another airplane, another sunny place I'm lucky, I know, but I want to go home I got to go home Let me go home I'm just too far from where you are I wanna come home Someone else's life It's like I just stepped outside When everything was going right And I know just why you could not come along with me This was not your dream But you always believed in me Another winter day has come and gone away In either Paris or Rome And I wanna go home Let me go home And I'm surrounded by a million people I still feel alone And let me go home Oh, I miss you, you know Let me go Let me go home
Christmas.